Welcome back to Tell Them You Mean Business. I am so excited to welcome another out-of-the-park guest today as we are so lucky to have the Milwaukee Brewers play-by-play broadcaster, Lane Grindle, with us today. Hubie and Abraham is proud to return as the sponsor for the Milwaukee Brewers this season, and we are just as excited to have Lane here today to talk about his career, some upcoming events, and his predictions for the Brewers' season. Stay tuned for all of this and so much more here on this episode of Tell Them You Mean Business. Well, I am so excited today to have Lane Grindle, the play-by-play for the Milwaukee Brewers, here with us today on our podcast. I'm such a huge sports guy, and Lane, I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your busy schedule uh, to be here today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. So let's talk right away about how you got into broadcasting, and tell us about your journey into being uh, this amazing guy on the radio talking about the Brewers and telling us about the game. Well, thank you for the kind words. Uh, there's there's plenty of people probably in my own house that would disagree with amazing guy, but uh, I'll take it, and, and, and uh, we'll chalk that one up. Um so my career is is kind of an interesting one. I grew up in a tiny little village of a town called Hastings, Iowa, um, about 35 minutes southeast of Omaha, Nebraska. Okay. And I always loved sports. From the moment I could crawl, I was you know into sports, and I was always a bit of a show off. I was the kid that had to be bribed before the the Christmas concerts and things like that to like just keep my hands down at my side and not show off and do something to draw attention to myself. And so sometimes I got an extra present out of that because if I just behaved, then I was good. (laughs) So you combine those two things and it made sense that I ended up doing what I'm doing, which is uh, talking for a living in in front of a microphone and describing what's going on in a ballgame. And... I, I, I didn't always know this was what I was going to do, but it was always an option for me. Um, I love sports. I was just like every other kid, thought I was going to go pro in something at one point in time. Um, depending on the season, that was the sport I was going to go pro yeah. in. And then you finally kind of realize once you get to about freshman or sophomore year in high school, okay, well, I'm just going to play varsity and enjoy that and right. see what happens next. And so what I started getting into was uh, we had a lot of youth sports. And once I got into junior high, a lot of the youth sports programs, for whatever reason, started approaching me to do the public address for their games, Little League football games, Little League baseball games, things like that. And so I started showing up and doing that. And I started getting really comfortable with the microphone as a result of it. And so that was just kind of always there. That's an option. I knew I wanted to be involved in sports post-college. And I ended up going to college and running track at the University of South Dakota. Okay. And while I was there, I was going to be a sports management major, and I was going to go work in a front office for some team. And I did a year of that. Um, and it, it really wasn't a sports management major because they didn't even offer that. So I was going to be a business major. I was going to get a coaching minor, and I was just going to try to go work in a front office somewhere. I did a year of that in school and realized, I think I really want to broadcast. I just it, I started to get that itch. I started to get really curious about it, and so I switched my majors before my sophomore year of college and went into essentially mass communications. I think it was a fancy title called Contemporary Media and Journalism at the University of South Dakota, and then I, I, I latched on with an internship that summer in Omaha, Nebraska with the ESPN radio affiliate there, Okay. and the sports director at the time there was a guy named Kevin Kugler, who um, at that point in time was just 
he did some basketball on the radio for Nebraska Omaha's division. It's a Division two school in right. Omaha. And did some stuff on public television in Nebraska, and he hosted this radio show. Well, Kevin's career has just absolutely blown up since then. He's yeah. now doing NFL on Fox and uh, does a bunch of stuff for BTN. And, and he and I became incredibly close, close friends that year that I interned for them. And we stayed in touch throughout. And he's helped me basically every step along the way in my career, whether it be learning from him um, or just helping me get my foot in the door different places over the course of my career. So that's kind of where it really started. Let me back up just a little bit. So you got the itch in between your freshman and your sophomore year, the broadcasting itch. What what do you think brought that on? What, What happened in between that freshman and sophomore year that really started driving you to switch your thought process? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I don't know that I've ever given a ton of thought to it. Okay. I, I think, number one, I, I found out business class was hard. Uh, I was like, this is going to be a hard major. <laughs> and I just, I, I've never been a great math guy, which is kind of ironic because I'm in baseball broadcasting. Yeah, where we're doing, doing a lot numbers, of math on yeah. the fly, and sometimes, it, <laughs> sometimes that gets exposed <laughs> on a broadcast. But uh, I, I think part of it was, I was like, man, this will, this will be a grind because – I was going to be a business major, coaching minor, and then I was probably going to have to go to grad school too. Okay. Uh, with that, with that path. Right. And I just started to realize I think I might be good at this. Like I, I wasn't a hundred percent sure because I don't think I really knew what good was. Right. But I had this false confidence of like I could do that, and I think that's part of it. Like everybody thinks they can do this. I mean, you you learn that in this business really yeah. quick, and so the confidence is good. But you have to also have the humility to learn and grow as you're doing it. Oh, at the definitely. Same time. You know, it's funny because I really enjoy being behind the microphone and doing these kind of things. And, you know, I, I think everyone thinks when they see people do it and it's relatively effortless looking, they think it's so easy. But what they don't realize is it took that person a heck of a long yeah. time to get good at their craft to be able to do it. But I think with respect to what you're doing and like just us talking on a podcast today, some people just naturally have that knack to be able to communicate and talk and have a conversation, and others don't. But the one interesting thing you said is that you had somebody that kind of took you under yeah. their wing, and they've been there every step of the way. And I was lucky enough last week to meet Scott Van Pelt and play golf with him out in D.C. Wow. for a couple of days with Andy North, who happens to be a good friend of yeah. mine. And he told a really great story. The same kind of thing that you told is that he had an internship at the Golf Channel, Mm-hmm. And they sent him out, um, and he was uh, acting like he was um, one of the professional golfers. And it wasn't Jack Nicholas, but I can't think of the name. And someone heard him like answering questions from somebody that he was acting as the professional golfer. And they're like, who is that guy? And they said, that's our intern, Scott Van Pelt. And they said, well, that guy should be out doing stuff in the field. And it was that kind of a break that got him out. And then he met Tiger Woods, who became friendly with him. And that just set the whole ball in motion. It was a really interesting story. And it's the same for all of us. We all need a mentor, somebody to help us, to get us moving along and, and to be there by our side. Um, you, you know, I had that as a young lawyer joining with my partner here, Mike Cupy. And if you don't have that, it really becomes harder to, to be successful. So, okay, you get the itch, you change. And then what's the first thing you do out of college in this kind of arena? How do you get yourself moving in that way? So where I, where I really lucked out was, you know, I'm doing this internship for Kevin at 1620 The Zone in Omaha. And I met another guy that was working there named Mark Cranach. And he was the assistant program director. And he was another guy that really took me under his wing and taught me a lot of the kind of the nuts and bolts of 
radio broadcasting, a lot of the fundamental things, how to write script, all those things that really paid off for me down the road. And I started doing some stuff for another sister station of 1620 The Zone where they were putting me on the air once in a while, which was a, a great break. That was through the rest of that summer. And at the end of that summer, I'm going back to college, and I realize I love this. Like, I, I don't want to stop doing this. Yeah. Like, there was, I was never thinking I want to drop out of school and do this, but it was kind of that, like, I get why somebody finds what they love, and they're like, yeah. I, I don't want to go back in the classroom. I just want to do this the rest of my life. Because it's not work. If you love it, you don't Absolutely. feel like you're going to work. Like, this is the greatest thing ever. So I, I talked to Mark about, hey, can you help me find a place back in South Dakota, one of those radio stations, can you make some calls for me? and see if somebody would take me on as a part-time guy. I'll run the, the board. I'll do whatever they need me to do. And so we kind of investigated it together. He reached out to the ESPN radio affiliate in Yankton, South Dakota, which is like 30 miles from Vermilion, where I was going to school, and also the flagship station for the University of South Dakota Athletics. And he just said, hey, I got a guy. You should find it. And they said, we're always looking for part-time help. And so I drove up right before I moved back into my place, and uh, had an interview that morning over in Yankton, got the job on the spot. I think they were going to hire me no matter what because they were just <laughs> looking for bodies. And then that was really the start of my hands-on experience because uh, I worked for a locally owned radio station called Colhane Communications, and the owner of that station, Kevin Colhane, who I did not know for probably the first month or two that I worked there, he started to, to kind of hear some of the stuff I was doing on the side because I would, I would stay there and mess around um, on what was then called Cool Edit Pro. It's Adobe Edition now, but it was like an editing software. And I would put like my own pregame shows together, my own high school scoreboard shows together and things like that. And then I would send them out to the program director and say, hey, what if we did this on a Friday night? I would be willing to host it. Right now you're just playing music, but you could probably sell it and see what comes of it. And they were like all for it. And so every time I brought an idea to them, they're like, yeah, do it, go for it. As long as you want to do it and put the work in on it, Absolutely. You know, it's a blank canvas for you. And so I started doing things like that. And eventually they came to me about, uh, I don't know, maybe four or five months into working there. And they said, how would you like to start doing some games, some high school sports? And we'll even let you do some of the women's basketball for the University of South Dakota. And I was a junior in college at this point. Absolutely. So that really was undersold to me because what I ended up doing that next year, which would have been my senior year of college, is pretty much every single women's basketball game on the flagship station. So within a year, it had just like kind of flown into that. And they gave me a full-time job when I graduated. I had a couple of different offers, but I really liked what I was doing there. I, I, they let me start my own talk show. So I started a, a daily morning talk show that was a two-hour show. And it was probably a little edgier than what, Yankton, South Dakota was yeah. used to because, I mean, I would criticize. I wouldn't always just um, give the scores and, and read the AP press, you know, uh, wire reports that would come across. I would I would give some opinion, and, and I think yeah. that probably was a little different than what they were used to. From what they were used to. But that's that's really where it started. And then you were obviously off and running, yeah. and your career's going. And then I think if I remember correctly, I looked, you joined the Brewers in 2016? Yes. Yes. And in, when you joined the Brewers first in 2016, were you immediately going to be on the air? What were you doing? Yeah. Tell me about that. So I had spent 10 years at the University of Nebraska right. at that point. That was kind of the, the gap in between what I was just talking about in South Dakota and, and arriving in Milwaukee. And I was doing baseball play-by-play -play in Nebraska. I was a sideline reporter for football. I was hosting a TV show for basketball. So I was kind of doing everything. And I was selling. I was selling 
a lot of the you were the jack of all you yeah. wore many hats i was selling a lot of the marketing plans so the the signage in the stadium the radio ads all that stuff and uh, i learned a lot through all that being able to do all those different things but then the brewer's job came open i had just built kind of our forever home in lincoln nebraska it was on water we were like this is where we're going to be the rest of our lives we had had our four children and we're kind of from that area we had family that lived in town. I mean, it was yeah. just like, we'll never leave Lincoln. That was our thought process. And then the brewers come calling. And then the brewers come calling. And our only caveat to that was always Major League Baseball in a Midwest market. Because I, I really am a Midwest guy. I want to yeah. raise my family in the Midwest. And my wife feels the same way. So it was Major League Baseball in a Midwest market. And you're thinking, well, what are the odds that one of those jobs is going to come open and you're yeah. going to get it? And lo and behold, that happens in... February of 2016, and it was a little scary, to be honest with you. It was a big jump for me professionally. It was a big move for our family and uh, four young children at that point in time, and it's been the biggest blessing of our lives. I I get emotional when I think about just how great this move has been for us. Well, you're doing such a great job, and the Brewers have been good, which, you know, for a small market team... Mm -hmm. To be able to compete and yeah. uh, and do what they've done is, is just awesome. Um, so you start in 2016, and how's the transition been from that until now? And tell us just a smidge yeah. about what it's like to work with Euchre yeah. and, and, and tell us about that. Well, that, that's been the, I think, real fortunate thing for me is that when I got hired, I think what they told me in the process is like, hey, you're going to probably call maybe 50 games. Um, out of 162, you're going to do about 50 road games. That'll be it. Because at that point, Bob was not really traveling as much anymore, and they needed right. a guy to fill in for Bob. So my joke was always when we were on the road, somebody would always come from down below in in the crowd and yell up to the booth to try to get Bob's attention. And then when I would poke my head above and see their disappointment, I would say, I'm sorry I'm here. <laughs> and I know you're wishing the other guy was here, and I understand that. I, I would be too if I were you. But... Um, it, that really grew each year. I think my first year I did actually probably closer to 60. And then by year two, I was doing close to 75, 80. And each year it's gone up. Last year, I think I ended up doing about 120-some games. And this year, I'll do over 130 of the 162. So it's grown each year. Bob essentially doesn't travel anymore unless it's yeah. postseason or a chance to clinch late. And now I'm doing a lot more home games and working with Bob because we've moved Jeff Levering over to the television side predominantly now. So I get to be kind of Bob's partner now on the radio. We did a bunch of games together last year, about 40 or so, maybe 10 the year before together. And this year we're going to do close, definitely north of 40 and throw spring training, and it's going to be well north of 50. So it's been a great experience. He is one of the, I mean, clearly he's one of the greatest entertainers that we've yeah. ever seen in this business. He's the, he is the greatest entertainer we've ever seen in this business. He's one of the greatest entertainers, period, in my opinion, yeah. uh, that we've ever seen. And he's a great friend, and he's been a really good mentor to me, which I wasn't sure when I got the job what to expect in that regard. Is he going to take, um, you know, is he going to take me under his wing? Is he going to pay attention to what I'm doing? Is he going to have feedback for me? Or is it just going to be, hey, kid, just go do your thing, right. and I'm going to be over here doing mine? And it's been incredible in that regard. And you think, hey, you make it to the big leagues, are you? and I think players are this way too. Um, not necessarily players, but what we think of players or what we think as fans of the development process with players, probably the same thing with broadcasters. And we talk about this a lot in the Brewers organization. Just because a guy gets promoted to the big leagues doesn't mean there isn't development left. Oh, sure. And we've seen that. Look at Corbin Burns yep. in 2019, and now he's a Cy Young Award winner. 
There we are always got to learn in your yes, craft. Yes, you got to always if, if grow. If you think that you know it all and you don't need to do anything Absolutely. or learn anything, you're just going to get stale. Absolutely. I don't care what profession you're in. Well, I love you know this brew organization. We're happy that we're back as a sponsor again this year. Um, you know, we're sponsoring this Bark in the Park. I'm super excited for that. One of my employees is going to throw out the first pitch. I've had the, the occasion to do that before, and we're going to have one of our employees do it this year. And, and uh, that was a humbling experience. I didn't do a 50-cent version where I threw it in uh, into the stands, but uh, but it's it's fun. Um, and then we're also giving away this year's Robin Younce retro jersey on August 7th. To the first three for the first thirty-five thousand fans, so we're we're excited about that, you know. And it's just been we've been so spoiled, I guess, right. here in Wisconsin for a small market Midwestern town to have the Packers be good, the Bucks and the Brewers consistently yes. good. I mean, we have year-long great sports in this town, and we got to ride that out and be excited about it. What do you think this year? about the team. It's obviously been a great start to the season. I think exceeding, at least my, I'm a huge yeah. Brewer fan, a huge sports fan, exceeding my expectations. What do you think of the of the team this year? I want to back up one second to what you just talked about with all three organizations having so much success. It's so great for the state of Wisconsin. It's great for the city of Milwaukee, obviously, um, especially um, when, when you talk about the success and just the, the overall buzz and vibe around these organizations. But I also think it, it, it is such a great reflection on the leadership in all those organizations. I agree with you. And great leadership, especially in these types of markets, it matters so much because you can't just overcome bad decisions by throwing more money at a situation in these organizations, specifically talking about the Brewers in the way the economics of baseball work. And so great ownership with Mark Atanasio and then just great, great leadership with David Stearns and Matt Arnold on the baseball side. They have killed it. And Rich Schlesinger on the business side. I mean, it's a collaborative group effort and they just have absolutely been phenomenal the gm's office for a small market team it's the decisions that they have made have been remarkable there's very few big moves they've made that haven't worked and that's really rare because a lot of times it's a coin flip when you make these moves you you have the information that you're using to make the best decision possible at hand and more often than not way more often than not they're right so it's phenomenal well the other thing about it is we can't be a market that if you get that decision wrong, we can just throw another $50 million at it to make it right. Yeah, you like can't some of these be the others. Mets and, and DFA Robinson Cano and pay him all that money to right. not play for you. I mean, it's just that's just not feasible in a market like Milwaukee's. And so they have to get these decisions right. Um, they can maybe afford a few mistakes here and there, but they can't afford very many if they want to continue to be successful and stack up all these winning years on top of and, each and other. And I think that is shown in the biggest way, in that if you make a mistake, then you've got these really amazing players that are going to come up now for their contracts. Yeah. And if you've screwed it up a year or two before, you may have to let those people go, and you're not right. going to be able to keep them on your team, especially with the pitching we have right now. Yeah. They're going to have some really tough decisions coming down with with this amazing pitching in these contracts. Yeah, it's an embarrassment of riches right now. Yeah. It really is. I mean, Corbin Burns is the best pitcher in baseball. I, I, I don't have any hesitation in saying that. I know Max Scherzer has a claim, and Jacob deGrom went healthy, is certainly in the conversation, and we can go down that list. But I, t- t- for me, and I know I'm biased, but I don't think there's anybody as nasty and as consistently great as Corbin Burns is. His last start, he'd be the first to tell you, and he didn't have his best stuff, not even close to it, and he grinds through and, and yeah. gives you a great start anyway. Yeah. Like That's just what he does. He's such a great competitor. He's learned how to channel it the right way now. And Brandon Woodruff has just stacked up year after year of, of great performances on the mound. 
Uh, another veteran guy that you feel really good about giving the ball to. It's weird to call him a veteran now because I remember his debut like know, it was funny. yesterday. Uh, but that's where he's at now. Freddie Peralta, we saw what he can do last year, and he's starting to pitch really well. And now Eric Lauer is turning into another you know, elite left-handed arm. So they're so lucky. Um, there's, there's more coming. I mean, we saw Aaron Ashby go four innings and strike out eight on Sunday in Miami. Um, that's a young arm that's going to develop into being, I think, a top-end guy before it's all said and done. they got a guy in AAA named Ethan Small that's going to be probably up at the big league club at some point this year, and he's putting up video game-like numbers in AAA. So it's, it's, just, it's such a testament to not only the, the scouting department and the front office in that regard, but also what they've done just in terms of developing young arms. And again, it goes back to what we're talking about. Sometimes even once they're still at the big league level, because Eric Lauer is a great example of yeah. that. Well, I know your time is so valuable. There's a couple last thing. Big yeah. picture brewers. Give us your feeling big picture-wise for the season. I like this team a lot. I think you know the, the term that David Stearns and Matt Arnold use a lot, and I think it it's really... It really hits home because I think it really applies, especially in baseballs. You want to get as many bites at the apple as you can, which essentially to break that down is you're trying to get into the postseason and you want to be the team that's hot going into the postseason. We saw that with Atlanta last year. They were hovering around 500 for most of the year. They lose Ronald Acuna. They make some trades that most people were like, oh, those are okay trades. And then all of a sudden Jorge Soler gets hot and wins the World Series MVP. Eddie Rosario wins the NLCS MVP. I mean, nobody would have seen those things coming, but you got to get into the dance and then get the right guys hot at the right time. The Brewers got into the dance last year. They didn't have enough guys hot. They had Rowdy Telez and really not anybody else swinging it great in the postseason last year. And so that that's what did them in. Try to get back there again this year. I think they're going to. I really would be shocked if this team, especially with an expanded postseason format now, does not find its way into the postseason, and then your hope is you got enough guys going right that you can make your run, and then it's your turn, it's your time. Uh, this will be five years in a row in the postseason if the Brewers crazy. can make it happen. I so mean, really crazy. It really is, yeah. Awesome. Well, the last thing we're going to do is something new that we've brought to the oh, podcast. Oh, good, I'm excited. And we did it last time with Donald Driver, who was my last guest, uh, and it's a game that we're going to play with you, it. and it's called... Uh, the Hupie and Abraham Traffic Jam. And Lane, you will have 60 seconds oh, to answer three questions uh, about safe driving. I'm already nervous. I about to yeah, exactly. Uh, I know this is so oh, nervous. This is about safe driving? Safe driving. Oh, you know, we're personal injury lawyers yeah, here. And okay. So we want people to be driving safe. And, and, you know, we're dealing with the aftermath. So I'm not, allu- I'm not allowed to use my phone, obviously. You're not allowed to use <laughs> your this. phone. Okay, okay so question right. number one. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration estimates that eating and driving increases the likelihood of a crash by A, 15%, B, 50%, or C, 80%. I'm going to go C, 80%. You are right. Question number one is right. Okay, question number two. Which of the following is the number one cause of car accidents? A, distracted driving, B, weather conditions, C, vehicle defects. I would say distracted driving. You are right again. You're never going to cause an accident. You're so (laughs) good at all this stuff. Okay, the last question. If you look at your phone for five seconds while driving 55 miles an hour, is it the equivalent to A, driving from first to second base with your eyes closed, B, driving the length of a basketball court with your eyes closed, or C, 
driving the length of a football field with your eyes closed. For five seconds? It's got to be football field. You are right. You got all three of them right. Amazing. It's hard to believe that you would have to even think about these things, but yeah. you wouldn't believe what we see and what we do for oh, work every day. You see crazy stuff like yeah. this. I, I once rode my motorcycle to work one day, and I watched a guy reading the paper with it <laughs> out fully on his steering wheel wow. as we're driving to work. So. Needless to say, you answered all these questions right. I'm so grateful, Lane, for you agreeing to be on our podcast here today. You are doing such an amazing job for the Brewers. And I am so excited for this whole season. I really feel good things are in store for the Brewers. And I don't think there's any reason why that they couldn't win a World Series this year. I think they have the pitching. Just like they say, defense wins championships in football. It's pitching and baseball, and I think we got it. Let's make this year the year. I'm ready for it. Thank you so much. You bet. Thank you. Case result reading. Our client was rear-ended by a distracted, uninsured driver who pushed her car off the road and into a tree. The at-felt driver then fled the scene, leaving our client with numerous injuries, including fractures in her lumbar spine, a knee injury, and aggravations of pre-existing medical issues. A course of care over the next year and a half included physical therapy, chiropractic care, and injections in her knee, which helped her return to a pre-accident status. Attorney Doug Ross presented an uninsured motorist claim to the client's insurer seeking compensation for her injuries. The end result was a settlement of over $99,000 and a very satisfied client. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Tell Them You Mean Business. We are looking forward to more amazing guests, events, and stories coming up this season that you don't want to miss. So be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you want more information about the topics covered on this podcast, visit hupi.com or email info at hupi.com. And remember, if you're injured in an accident, Call Hupe and Abraham at 800-800-5678 to tell them you mean business.